All right, welcome back to the big program. Nine o'clock in the city of champions. Uh, Kevin carries the Duke of Delburn on uh, Sports 1440 as we welcome in uh, Rob Madry from the Associated Press to talk a little NFL football. Uh, Rob, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, happy Friday to you. Yes, happy Friday to you as well. And that means we can talk a little bit about Thursday night football. Uh, what did you make of last night's uh, Giants-Niners game? I, probably the script kind of went as everyone expected. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think the San Francisco 49ers are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. The big question for me coming into the season was, the health of Brock Purdy, but he was remarkably ready to go six months to the day of his elbow surgery on opening week, and and he's looked pretty decent. He did get away with some throws last night that could have been intercepted, but overall, this is a team that's got a lot of balance. They can do a, beat teams various ways, running the football, throwing the football. Their defense is strong, and, and I, I think they are a a legitimate top Super Bowl contender coming out of the NFC right there with the Cowboys and the Eagles. And the Giants, I thought, were going to take a step back this year. Uh, I didn't think that they were as good as their record indicated last year as a playoff team, a team that went on the road and beat Minnesota in the playoffs. And then we saw how the difference and the gap between the Giants and the Eagles in that playoff game. And I thought they would take a step back, and they've continued to show me that's exactly who they are. They get blown out by Dallas in week one. Uh, they're losing 20 to nothing against Arizona, yeah. which is a terrible football team that really has no incentive to win this year at halftime, come back to win that game. And then although they looked competitive for a majority of the game last night against the 49ers, uh, they end up losing 30 to 12. And, and I just think that's who the Giants are. They're a team that's going to be hard pressed, I believe, to match what they did last year in, in winning nine games and, and getting to a playoff spot. Rob Matty uh, from the Associated Press uh, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. And obviously, you know, the Giants miss uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, you could see that last night for sure. But getting back to um, San Fran, and, and first, just touch on Brock Purdy. I mean, all this guy does is win. I mean, he's just he's just so he looks confident back there. Um, I mean, and that's all you want from a quarterback. You, you did mention the fact that he was close to a, a couple of turnovers, but for the most part, he has protected the ball. Um, just to touch on how Purdy has kind of taken this team to where they go, this is our guy for a long time here. Yeah, you're right. He hasn't lost the game that he started and finished because the only game he's lost uh, was the NFC Championship game against Philadelphia last mm-hmm. year where he was knocked out early in the first quarter uh, with the elbow injury. Of course, he had to come back when he couldn't throw and he couldn't do anything at that point and the game was out of reach. But you're right. All he does is win. He's got tremendous poise for uh, a, a young quarterback who was selected, as we all well know by now, the last pick in the draft last uh, in 2022. And uh, he's he's in a perfect system for him in that offense and Kyle Shanahan's system in San Francisco with the weapons that he has surrounding him. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is, when healthy, we're seeing what Christian McCaffrey does at his best. He's a, a big-time weapon running the football, catching the football coming out of the backfield. Of course, they have the same in Debo Samuel, he can do. He's very versatile. George Kittle is a monster. and mm-hmm. uh, Brock Purdy just has to distribute the ball, kind of be like a point guard in the NBA. Find, find the open guy, make quick decisions, don't get sacked, don't make bad throws, uh, and distribute the ball to your playmakers. And, and he does a great job of that. Uh, I've had an opportunity to sit down with him on a few occasions and just came away very impressed with uh, the character 
the person that he is. And I think that bodes well for someone in the NFL who's not going to get caught up with the hype or uh, the, the status, the fame, the glory. Brock Purdy's a really grounded person, uh, and, and I think that's going to uh, fit nicely with the 49ers in this offense and what he can do for them as long as he can, can continues to stay healthy. I, I think mm-hmm. he's, he hasn't certainly reached his ceiling. He's, this is a guy who hasn't even started 10 games in the NFL right now. I believe it's 9-0 uh, and 0 as, as in the regular season. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he's only going to get better, I think, with more time and, and more growth. For sure. Um, we're looking a little bit ahead, but I mean, I think a lot of NFL eyes are on October 8th, the showdown with the Dallas Cowboys, Sunday nighter. You would think Dallas, if they can take care of the business that the Cowboys have to do, we'll get to Trayvon Diggs in a moment, but that could be a heck of a showdown Sunday night uh, in uh, in uh, San Fran, Cowboys and uh, and Niners. Yeah, absolutely, and you just touched on Trayvon Diggs. Losing him for the entire season is a major blow. It's devastating to a defense that what we've seen so far has been dominant. The Cowboys have outscored their opponents 70-10 to in two games, uh, both New York teams, and uh, the offense has been hit its stride. I think the offense, uh, they'll tell you, have left a lot of points on the board. They haven't fully clicked. They're still figuring things out, but that defense has been uh, absolutely uh, wreaking havoc, and it starts with Micah Parsons, who I think is the best defensive player in football, a man on a mission. But uh, losing Trayvon Diggs is mm-hmm. certainly going to hurt them in the secondary. And it, it, we've got a couple matchups that certainly you look at the Cowboys 49ers, then you look at the Philly uh, Cowboys matchups. Of course, they're NFC East rivals, so they'll, they'll take they'll take, face each other twice this this season. Um, and those are going to go a long way towards determining, Kevin, who's going to be coming out of the NFC because it's so important when there's only one team that gets that bye, gets yeah. that home field advantage throughout. Uh, winning these games, these head-to-head matchups uh, are critical because you want to get that bye. You want to rest up. You want to have uh, your opponents, the visiting team, have to come through your stadium. So uh, the goal for all of these teams, for, the, for, for all three of them, is to get that number one seed. Uh, we want to push a lot of our um, listeners to an article that you posted um, on uh, Nick Chubb and how yeah. running backs, uh, the injuries, and we've all heard it. We heard, uh, you know, what Derrick Henry said in the offseason when all these negotiations were going on. Can you kind of just uh, give our listeners a, a, little, uh, a little snippet, a little harbinger of what this article is all about and uh, what you, you know, what was the genesis of, uh, of getting it going? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously there was a lot of talk and a lot of concern about running backs and the devaluing of the position and the franchise tag being $10.1 million this year as opposed to five years ago when Le'Veon Bell got the franchise tag and sat out the full season, was in the $14.5 million range. So the value at running back has gone down to where it's $4 million less for the franchise tag. And, and for those who don't know, it's the average of the top five salaries at the position. So uh, you see Nick Chubb go down, and then you hear people say, well, this is exactly why Nick Chubb and running backs want to get paid as much as they can while they can, and they certainly deserve that. But this underscores all of every team's fear because – you don't want to be paying a running back 15 to $20 million and then lose him for the season. Nick Chubb is hurt. He's out for the season. J.K. Dobbins, he's out for the season. Austin Eckler missed a game last week. Aaron Jones uh, missed a game. Uh, uh, Saquon Barkley last night missed a game. And T. 
teams view these guys as interchangeable parts. We've seen a lot of teams have success. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs with undrafted free agent running back winning a Super Bowl, seventh-round pick running back winning a Super Bowl. So teams are going to continue to invest in the quarterback position and the wide receiver position and what's become a pass-happy, pass-driven league. And, and they view these running backs as guys that they can find in the second round, third round, fourth round, even, as I mentioned, seventh round, and undrafted free agents. So it's a big blow for Nick Chubb and yeah. the Cleveland Browns that he goes down for the season. But I think it further demonstrates and illustrates the point uh, of why teams are just reluctant to pay running backs big-time money, uh, even with their peers. Can this ever change? When will it ever change? Do we have to wait for a new CBA or what? How is it going to work? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it will change. I, I don't know how you can uh, make it mandatory that one position gets X amount of dollars as compared to other positions. Uh, I think this is the way of today's NFL. And unless the NFL goes back to old school smash mouth, mm-hmm. three yards in a cloud of dust football that we saw in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, it's not going to change. It's not going to happen. You can't force a team to pay a running back X amount of dollars when there's a salary cap world and the quarterbacks are commanding now 50 plus million dollars and, and the top receivers are in the $20 million range and the top tackles uh, on the offensive line and, and the defensive line, the edge rushers are getting 20 million. Mm-hmm. Teams are just going to find ways to, to, to fill out their roster and, and bring in the, the, the cheaper, younger running backs who can play out on, on that rookie contract and then move on from them. You just saw the Philadelphia Eagles do that with Miles Sanders. They got to the Super Bowl. He was the leading rusher last year, and it was time to pay him, and they said goodbye. We're going to go get two or three other running backs uh, who are going to make the equal of his one salary, and, and they're 2-0. and They haven't missed a beat in the run game. They dominated the Vikings on the ground last Thursday night. So uh, uh, unless teams – start to lose the way they're going, nothing's going to change. I, I can't see how this will ever – it's a problem for these running backs, um, and, and I don't see a solution. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if there is one until a, a new CBA is done and they, you know, I mean, the running backs union makes a stronger case here. I, I don't know what they can do. So uh, Rob Maddie is our guest uh, from the Associated Press covering all things NFL. Um, uh, did you see uh, Andrew Luck uh, make an appearance on um, – <laughs> Prime last night. That's it, Andrew Buck. Yes. Did, did you see that? Um, uh, it was quite funny, and just to, you know the way he looked at everything. And then I'm, I just caught this right now um, uh, on social media. Did you see his uh, his post uh, this morning? I, I did not see. Okay, his post. I, I'm going to read it to you, to you, Rob. So the, I, I'm just coming across it right now. So this comes from Andrew Luck, and his his uh, handle is Captain. Andrew Luck, and it says, Dearest Mother, I hope my appearance on the magical moving picture box filled you with joy. As you could see, my resolve has never been more robust. Squirrel oil and your peppered chipmunk feet have kept me sturdy. Life is splendid. Give the cows my best. I love you, Andrew. (laughs) Whoever runs that account uh, is a genius. I know. (laughs) Isn't it great? It's, uh, tremendous. it's tremendous. It really is. Um, I think he really caught a lot of people by surprise last night. I mean, when you when you saw that, what was your reaction? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, he's playing into this character and into that role. And uh, I, I didn't think that he has anything to do with that Twitter <laughs> handle or X handle or whatever either. it is. Yeah. And I don't think he, I don't think he does, but uh, that, that was, that was funny. That was great to see him do that. And uh, I didn't think Andrew was capable of that. You know, ha- having seen him play, I, I didn't see that kind of thing in his personality. There's guys where you would say, oh yeah, I, I could see them having fun with the crowd and everybody mm-hmm. else. And doing that, that that was uh, pretty awesome. Uh, it's too bad for the, for the Indianapolis Colts franchise oh, that Andrew Luck decided to uh, uh, just retire abruptly. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's you know it's one of those things where you guys got to make the best decision for them and for their future. And, and Kevin, I think sometimes we forget that there's a life after football is can be really excruciating for so many of these athletes. I speak to a lot of players, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Hostetler, who's a former Super Bowl champion quarterback, just launched uh, a nonprofit called QB United, and he's got like 57 former quarterbacks who are on board, and this is Suicide Prevention mm-hmm. Month, September, and, and uh, they're just trying to get the word out to get people out there to just get as much help as they can because they just there's so many players who have difficulties in life after football. So great, it's great to see that Andrew is thriving, yeah. or seemingly so, in life after football. You know, it's funny you'd mention that, Rob. Uh, Maddie from Associated Press uh, is our guest. Uh, you know, our, our co-host here on uh, on the morning show on Sports 1440, uh, Ladislav Schmid, former uh, NHLer, former Edmonton Oiler, uh, David Schlemko, former NHLer, Eddie Steele, former CFLer, won a great cup uh, with the double E here. Uh, that's something that, and they're all in that transition period, and that's something that they've talked about on the show. Sometimes they have problems uh, dealing with that transition, and sometimes there's a bit of a different seamless thing. So all these players, we we have to remember, they're just people too, right? You know, they, they have to oh, deal they have to deal with things and move on. And I mean, I'm sure you see it a, a lot with uh, all the all the guys you've covered down there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and they, they go they go through struggles just like we yeah. do. And sometimes it's magnified because you're in the spotlight, you're making tons of money, people are um, uh, getting involved in your life, and you really don't know why they why are they there and and what they're what they want from you. And mm-hmm. it, it's hard to really build relationships that are substantial. And then all of a sudden you're out of the spotlight. The step the the checks stop flowing, and your life dramatically changes. And if you're not prepared for that as a professional athlete, Athlete. There are so many different guys who go through whether it's anxiety, depression. Uh, I've talked to to players who even worse, and, and they've become addicted to different substances. Yeah. And we've seen players, unfortunately, who've taken their own lives. So I, I think uh, it's important for all of us to realize that they are human beings. And yes, they got this platform and they make a ton of money for a short period of time, but. Uh, beyond that, you know, that that's why I have a hard time personally ever being extremely critical of, of any athlete. You know, I mm-hmm. can criticize their performance. I can talk uh, directly about what they do on the field, but I, I will never speak to uh, what they're going through because we never know, right? We never know who they, what, what's happening in their lives. So I, I think we should uh, always keep that in the back of our minds, Kevin, as we're watching yeah. these players, watching these athletes, their young men, their husbands, their fathers, their children, and uh, try and yeah. Try and enjoy the sport without uh, going a little bit too crazy. I, I come from, I grew up in Philadelphia. I live in Florida now, so I, I know the fan base in Philly is a little wild and rabid, uh, <laughs> and uh, they've got a reputation that uh, 
uh, is certainly well deserved. And uh, I, I've had these conversations with my Philly friends, like, "Hey, ease up," and they they, they don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, just one quick one with the rest of the uh, week three of the NFL. For some reason, and and maybe it's because what we saw uh, on opening night with Detroit, the Detroit Atlanta game kind of intrigues me. The Falcons off to a two and zero start. I I thought that the Lions would would build off that win over KC. They did lose in overtime. But what do you make of this game in Detroit, Atlanta, and the and the uh, Lions on uh, on Sunday at uh, one o'clock Eastern? Yeah, I agree with you. I thought the Lions would be able to build off the success of that win against the Kansas City Chiefs and then go home, home opener. They got a sellout crowd. They got the fans wearing those ski masks and all of that excitement. And and what really showed up was what reared its ugly head. The Detroit Lions can score points. Their biggest problem last year was stopping the other team from scoring mm-hmm. points. It was defensive issues, and all of those defensive issues were right there and evident in that loss to Seattle. Now, you look at this game against the Atlanta Falcons, who are off to a 2-0 and start. Uh, I, I'm not a believer in the Falcons. Uh, I, I think this is a team that is uh, middle of the road. I, I didn't anticipate them to be uh, in the playoff mix. Now, of course, they're in the NFC South, which was won last year by an 8-9 and nine team, a losing team, the Buccaneers. And now you got three teams that are off to a 2-0 and start. Uh, the Buccaneers somewhat surprisingly this year. The Saints, I think, maybe someone was ex- expected, but they're not playing uh, really strong, solid football to mm-hmm. where they're dominating their opponents. Uh, I, I like the Lions in this game. Uh, to beat the Falcons and, and I think really separate themselves. I, I still believe in the Lions as a legitimate NFC North contender, uh, and this is a game that they're going to have to go out there and prove it. The Falcons are are built to win on the ground with Bijan Robinson mm-hmm. and, and the, the way they run, the way they their offense flows, and uh, I, I think the best way that they can approach this game is try to control the clock, try to keep the ball out of Jared Goff and, and those playmakers' hands on, on the lines. And if, if they can get the ball for 38 to 42 minutes and keep it on the ground, that's their best chance of yeah. winning. Yeah, Bijan, Tyler, Algier right there, if they can do that for sure. Yeah. Um, hey, thanks so much for this, uh, Rob. I appreciate your insight, and uh, thanks for kind of um, humanizing, you know, the, the athletes that we, we get to know and, and follow because it's a, such a critical part of, uh, I guess, fans having that, that connection with them. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, that's Rob Matty, Associated Press, uh, formerly Philadelphia. I'm sure he probably bumped into old Frank uh, Cervelli over the years. Hey, Duke, uh, I'm sure uh, uh, in their... Uh, uh, well, I mean, many journeys of covering all kinds of sports. Frank uh, has been doing that. I'm sure uh, Rob has maybe uh, bumped into Frank along the way as well. So um, we're going to do a little uh, open line texting, I guess. We'll talk about that. And we've got some comments regarding the Edmonton Oilers after day one. I was down there yesterday for session number two. Oilers first group will be taking to the ice in 12 minutes. But we will hear from Bo Aiki. And we will hear from Sam Gagne when we come back after their first session that they had uh, yesterday afternoon at Rogers. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Ooh, the Duke going back into the archives. Uh, 921 in Edmonton looking for a high of about 22 today. Going to be a nice weekend for sure. I wanted to mention uh, our headliner of the day, uh, 
Brought to you by Mr. Reuter. There's a reason that they call them Mr. Reuter. Uh, for all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrreuter.ca. Our headliner of the day was, uh, of course, Odell Willis, and he's having that little get-together uh, tomorrow at his uh, new kind of uh, gym facility uh, called Athletes Compound on uh, 99th uh, Street and 67th Avenue. Uh, go and check uh, things out tomorrow. As Odell said, there'll be barbecue. There'll be uh, meeting kids and lots of you know clowns, everything, the whole bit. There'll probably be some corn all who knows uh but uh thanks uh, for uh, being our headliner of the day which you know we we forgot to talk about duke is the the fact that our little kind of tips at this time of the year make sure you check your drainage systems clean your gutters your downspouts it's critical at this time of the year uh texts coming in one 401 uh from brian s all these injuries as we were talking with rob maddie about uh the injuries to running backs all these injuries uh is that because of artificial turf that comes from brian s well um monday night nick chubb's injury was in pittsburgh that's natural grass i believe at heinz field so i think for the most part uh, you, I mean, injuries are going to happen, but that was a, a very tough injury, very hard to watch if you did see it. Um, the running back position is tough. I mean, that's why these guys, again, you, you hear what Rob says. They don't want to pay them because they're going to get hurt and be gone for a year, maybe their career. And that's kind of why the NFL does it this way. And it's not right, but it is. What it is. Uh, all right, Duke Delburn. Um, yesterday I was down at uh, Oilers' second session of the uh, training camp, and it was a lot different than the, the first session. Um, I ended up talking to Sam Gagne, Bo Akey, and then uh, Coach Jay Woodcroft addressed the media after everyone else. Uh, uh, most of the guys in the first session is what everyone wanted to talk to. I mean, that's the main session, but... Lucky enough to uh, hook up with Bo Akey, Oilers' first pick in the second round this last year. And you could see he's got like a presence about him. I mean, you listen to the clips. Is there something that you, when you're, I, I got you to pull these clips and, and pull this interview. Could you tell by his voice that you're going, is this guy 18 years old? Yeah, he's, he's definitely got some confidence to him. And, and we'll listen to the clip you're talking about. You know, I, he's fully aware, you know, he doesn't have necessarily expectations to make this team uh, get and go back and have another great year in junior. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have goals set for himself and, and some big ones at that, uh, as we all know, the big, uh, big Canadian mm-hmm. um, spectacle that comes up over the Christmas break. Uh, so he talks a little bit about that too. But uh, yeah, very well spoken. Uh, sounds confident. Sounds like he's going to really be taking in everything he can here over the course of uh, the next few days anyway. All right, here's Bo Aiki. What was the first day of a pro camp like for you? Uh, pretty cool. Uh, definitely, it's definitely cool. And you got all these guys out here with you. You, got, uh, you see McDavid, you see Darnell Nurse, you see Dry Seidel, you see all these guys. See, you got Stuart Skinner saying hi to you and meeting you. Uh, it's pretty special to uh, see all those guys around the rink for sure. Um, what did you take from Penticton to here so far? Yeah, definitely. It's it's a different style of game. It's different than junior. It's faster. Uh, I think that uh, Calgary game was definitely like an eye opener for me. Like, wow, this is really the next level. And if I uh, if I want to make it the next level, I got to compete in these type of games. What are some of the things that the the veteran said to you today? 
Hawks? Yeah, they just they've been so welcoming. It's uh, it's really easy to make the transition uh, for a guy like me here uh, when you got uh, you got Petrov and you got Sav- Savoy, uh, you got all these guys. You got Tulio, you got uh, Noel, and you got all these guys just welcoming you and uh, welcoming welcoming you with open arms. It makes the transition really easy for you. Have you set some goals for yourself at the camp so far? Yeah, definitely. Just try and get better every day. I know the coaches have been really big on that. They've, uh, you know, they want intense practices. You want to get better out there. So I think that's just my mindset too. Well, you talked about the elevated play in Penticton, and you showed very well. What does that do for your confidence heading into main camp? Yeah, it definitely helps the confidence, you know, and you can go out there and you can battle uh, out there, and the team uh, does okay out there. Uh, you know, it's uh, definitely a confidence booster coming into main camp, too, is saying that I can play at this pro level. When you're rubbing shoulders with guys like Matias Ekholm, Darnell Nurse, just to name a few on the back end here at Empton, how much are you trying to be a sponge and soak up uh, all the wisdom that you can? Yeah, you know, these guys, have been they've been doing it you know uh, Sam Gagne said it was like my first day here uh, before we went out to Penticton he was up and uh, he came up and talked to me you know it's these guys have been here they've been doing it for 15 years they know what they're doing Uh, you just you try and soak in everything you can uh, from those guys and learn as much as you can would imagine you going back to junior, but do you have any aspirations, say the World Junior Camp, things like that? Have you thought about things like that? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's always on your mind. You always want to represent Canada. You always want to represent your country. So definitely going to strive to have a first good half of the season. Strive to wear that Canadian flag in December. That's uh, Bo Akey, Oilers. Uh, Second round, 56th overall draft pick in this uh, past year's NHL entry draft. I, I can barely string 10 words together right now. Uh, I knew, I know I couldn't do it when I was 18, but I mean, you can just see the composure of a young guy like that, uh, uh, Duke. So he's, uh, he, you can see, you know, when he, he came to the, the scrum, you know, he's a little slighter defenseman, right? He's about 175 pounds right now, six footer. Last year in Barrie, he played 66 games, had 11 goals, 36 assists, um, 47 points. Um, you could see just watching him yesterday that he has an awareness of where the play is going to develop. He has the ability to kind of um, see certain areas of on the ice where that's going to help him down the road where he has the smarts to maybe quarterback a power play down the road. Um who knows? Uh, it's a guy that I think should have consideration for the World Junior Team Evaluation Camp. We'll see where he goes. Uh, he'll be going back to Barry. Uh, that'll be his third year. He played a, played there as a, a 16-year-old. Uh, had five goals, 11 assists in 61 games two seasons ago. So I um, was pretty impressed with a young guy. And again, these are some of the picks the Oilers have to hit on. You know, when you're trading away first-rounder, like last year, um, because that's the mindset of the team going forward. You want to try to build to win a championship. You're not going to have high draft picks, and and this is a guy that hopefully the Oilers can uh, groom, and, you know, we might see him down the road, you know, in a, in a few years. Uh, the Duke of Delburn, you're – so how, what do you think of this? My, my new little machine there, I, I was doing some interviews yesterday – 
I'm the technical wizard here. It's just amazing, isn't it? You, you impress me more and more every day, Kev. You showed up this morning with this little uh, handheld recorder thing, and you said, I don't really know how to get the sound off of this thing, per se, and you hand it over to me, and a little uh, slide of a lever on the back, and the USB port just pops right out the bottom. Like I your, was eyes, shocked. your eyes lit up like it was Christmas I, morning. I couldn't believe it. It was like, what's this all about? This thing's coming apart, man. So I um, uh, also talked to Sam Gagne yesterday. Um, we... It was kind of an interesting scenario on uh, Tuesday when Kenny Holland at the Oilers uh, golf tournament said, kind of threw it out, just said, you know, Sam's not going to play in any preseason games. Not ready yet. Um, had two hip surgeries, one a little later than the other one. Um, but his attitude, I mean, again, and, and Speck, acts, I don't know if it'll be on what we're going to play here, but, you know, Speck said, you know, he was here as an 18, he, he's the Bo Akey, but made the team, you know, came out of London made the team and you know spec said uh, asked him what would you have uh, said right now what's 34 year old sam gagne say to 18 year old sam gagne kind of and he didn't really have a great an answer because it put him on the spot um but i mean you put uh, the clips together what we're going to listen to from sam so what was your kind of take on on where he's at with his uh, with this go around with the team yeah, so we talked a little bit about the um, the injury, of course, is kind of the main talking point right now since he's not really going to be involved with camp here right off the hop. And, and I think that is going to make it a little more difficult for him to actually maybe secure a contract when you're not actually out there showing what you can provide uh, for the time being. So we talked about that, talked about the surgery, and then uh, maybe we'll we'll pause it there, have a quick chat about his discussions on the injury situation. And then, yeah, he talked about his return to Edmonton okay. um, kind of at the back half here. Here's Sam Gagne. Fitness or health, uh, the hip surgery, all that kind of stuff. How are you getting through that right now? Yeah, I mean they, they feel good. Um, certainly a lot, uh, a lot better than than this time last year. Um, but um, you know, there, there's still certain hurdles I need to cross. Um, you know, before I'm I'm ready to to really push it and play in games. And um, you know, I think it, it's been it's been a really long summer of, uh, of rehab and a lot of tedious work. And uh, you know, I'm proud of uh kind of the work that it's taken to get to this point um you know but there's still a lot of, lo- lot of work left to be done and i'm just focused on that right now and uh, then uh, then uh, i can uh you know w- worry about the next step so do you have a sense of w- when you'll be in a game where that might be like anything like that yet uh i'm just trying to take it day by day i mean um you know i'm five months into a six month you know rehab process and I feel like I'm I'm probably ahead of that six month timeline, but um, you know these things take time, and um, you know I want to give myself uh, the uh, the best opportunity to 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 show what I can bring, um, you know, and that means being fully healthy, being as powerful as I can be, and um, you know just focusing on that. So I'll just take it day by day, um, and then we'll continue to reassess. Were you expecting to play some preseason games, and this was a change of plans, or was this always kind of the way it was going to be? I, I honestly wasn't sure. Um, you know, I, I I was just focused on my rehab and um, you know trying to to push um, you know within within the limits as much as I could. Um, you know, I've never been through a, an injury process like this where it's you know taken six months. So um, I'm just kind of. Leaning on on the experts and you know the staff here has been incredible and you know since I've been back um, you know they've been really helpful. I, even in the last two weeks that I've been here, I I, I notice a tremendous difference. So I'm just going to keep you know pushing ahead and 
and uh, you know, listening to the staff and see where it goes from there. It sounds like pretty invasive surgery. What was it like the first few days after you came out? Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, uh, so I had the one surgery, and then five weeks later, I had the other. Um, so I was essentially on crutches for for two months, and. Um, just uh, I, I would just kind of get pushed into the pool and you know swim around in there for for hours. It felt like uh, for the first little bit, and and then you just you know gradually take steps. Um, but yeah, I'm you know I'm excited to be where I'm at now um, and just continue to push forward. So we use this is just your basic wear and tear from playing thousand games. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, I mean I, I've had hip, hip issues in the past, but then the last you know couple few years it's it's really uh ramped up on me um you know I, i've missed missed games in detroit for it and then you know last year in winnipeg it's just kind of as the year went on it got worse and worse and felt it was the right decision to get it taken care of you know i still feel like um i still feel pretty young to be honest at 34 and uh, i feel like i have years ahead of me so i'm gonna um you know see how i feel coming out of this and continue to push forward and and uh You know, uh, so that's Sam Gagne talking uh, to the media yesterday after his first session. Um, They had a bit of a scrimmage. Um, He didn't really take part in that. Uh, It was a very quick, very, very quick scrimmage, just a couple, you know, head-to-head lines and things like that. But uh, that was at the downtown community arena. It feels like, I don't know why, but it feels like a million years ago when the Oilers drafted Sam Gagne. I mean, 2007, sixth overall. But made the team right off the hop. Um, came out of London, had a great year in London, and had a pretty good rookie season. I mean, um, I don't know if you remember back that far, Duke, but do you remember when uh, when Sam kind of started out? And then he had another uh, tenure here, whatever, five years ago or something, just a short one. But Yeah, going back, I mean, obviously it was on the heels of um, the Oilers, you know, run to the the finals and stuff uh, just, just prior to that. And, and it kind of speaks to the fact that a player like Gagne at that age was able to crack this team. And it, to his merit, he, he earned it for sure. Fast forward to today where this team is in a real championship window. And we've said it uh, every day this week, like, that everyone knows who's going to be on this team. There aren't going to be any surprise 18-year-olds cracking this roster or even probably 19 or 20-year-olds really with maybe a minor exception here or there. Um, and it just, like I said, and at that time for Gagne, took advantage of an opportunity for a team mm-hmm. that had some holes in the lineup and and making the most of it and then come back, uh, comes back again. We all remember the the great eight-point outing versus yes. Chicago. Uh, he's I think he's been a fan favorite his whole time here, even when the team maybe wasn't performing at the level fans expected, yeah. but um, a, a fan favorite for a long time in Edmonton. I think a lot of people are excited to see him back uh, in an Oilers uh, uniform, even if it's just a training camp one for right now. His first year, 07, 08, you know who a young defenseman, a young, robust defenseman on that blue line was? Ladislav Schmid, our Thursday co-host. And, and, and I think uh, Oiler fans from that era really remember, uh, it was exciting to watch uh, the line of Sam Gagne, Andrew Cogliano, Robert Nilsson. I mean, they were all really young. And I remember, like, you know, Craig McTavish would throw them over the boards and say... Just go play. I mean, you're so young, you don't even know what the hell's going on out there. So, um, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. If you've got a comment about Sam or Bo, now we've got a little second part of Sam talking about uh, his kind of tenure coming back and and things like that. Just kind of set that up for us, Duke. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's exactly what you'd mentioned there before we played that first clip about when uh, Speck asked him, you know, comparing mm-hmm. his time right now versus when he was here uh, in that 07-08 season as a, a fresh-faced young buck uh, yeah. coming to the league and just kind of comparing the two situations for, for himself. Stood in front of these microphones, you were an 18-year-old shiny new penny, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's a thousand games later, a couple surgeries, mm-hmm. three kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would this Sam Gagne say to that Sam Gagne if you could? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess surprising that I haven't lost any passion for the game. I, you know, I still, I still love coming to the rink. I uh, still love you know, working hard at it, try to get better. Um, so uh, I'm going to keep going as long as I have that. And then, um, yeah, but, you know, certainly a lot's changed in those years, uh, having three kids now. And, um, you know, my home life is a lot different than it was then. Um, but it's something that, uh, you know, I really cherish. I think um, having my kids be able to come to games and uh, be a part of it and understand what's going on is it's it's really cool for me. And, um, I really enjoyed that. You were, you were hoping, and, and you were a young pillar in what was supposed to be the building of another Stanley Cup contender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of went sideways for a while, and it's finally there, and you're finally back. Uh, does it seem like, you know, a good way to bookend a career here if you can hang around? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I you know, I, I think you learn a lot uh, during those years. Um how to handle adversity. Um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself and, and what you're built of. And um, so, you know, I think uh, not looking back on any of that, just kind of looking forward to, to what this group has built. And, um, you know, I think they've, they've, uh, they've come a long way. They've got tremendous leadership. Um, you know, I, I, I watched the playoffs last year and they're, they're knocking on the door. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. Um, yeah, like I said, I love being back here, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll give everything I have to, to try and help this group uh, move forward. And you know that's going to happen. That's Sam Gagne. Um, just a quick comment before we go to break. If he goes down to Bakersfield, gets 100% healthy, um, figures out where he fits into this team possibly in November I don't know, maybe later. I mean, that's a, that's a great asset to have. Uh, injuries are going to happen. You never know what is going to happen as far as how a player adjusts, reacts, uh, moves forward to a new situation, and there are a few of them. Uh, there aren't a lot of spaces to make an impact on this team, but, you know, you've got a lot of, let's call them 13th forwards, and you can have enough of those guys because you need – the depth. Uh, so some great comments from uh, Bo Aiki, Sam Gagne. We're going to hear from Jay Woodcroft coming up about, uh, what, about 20 after or something like that. So uh, the Oilers are just getting on in the ice for a session. So uh, when we come back, we will hook up with Nicole Falcone Dempsey and a neat soccer initiative that's happening in our city for a great cause on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Kind of fitting. We've got a Cindy Lauper tune to uh, intro our next guest, and that would be Nicole Falcone Dempsey. And uh, Nicole, is it Falcone or Falcone? It's Falcone. Falcone. Well, I figured, you know, with the the Italian kind of uh, hook that we've got going on here, I, I went with Falcone. Yeah. So, uh, thanks <laughs> yeah, for guesting with us. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for guesting with us, Nicole. So, um, 
And Gene Principe put us on to this story. So uh, thanks for Gene for helping us out with that. So, uh, Nicole, can you kind of run down? You've got sort of a soccer camp happening this weekend, but it's got a great cause behind it. Behind it. Can you kind of kind of run through what's going on this weekend? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm on the board of directors with Internationale Soccer Club of Edmonton. And we are running a uh, girls' camp for our competitive girls' teams this weekend. And the purpose of the camp is to obviously promote uh, girls' soccer here in Edmonton, which is trying to recover post-COVID. But we also wanted to um, give back to our community because the camp is free for all of the girls. We have about 80 girls participating. And so we've partnered with Sorrentino's Compassion House, which is also um, here in Edmonton to uh, shore support um, through our girls helping the women who stay in Compassion House. Um, Their pantry is um, in dire need of being filled. And so um, our club is founded on volunteers who um, since 1987 have um, promoted soccer here in Edmonton. And so we thought by volunteering um, to fill their pantry, we could um, give back to the community, which has been so uh, wonderful for our soccer club over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Oh, it's just an, an amazing initiative. And so, you know, we, these girls are all the way down to 11, right? Or even under 11, correct? Yeah, correct. So we have girls from nine, nine years old to about 15, 16 years old who, are, who have been over the last few weeks collecting items um, like toiletries, um, snacks, um, a bunch of things that Compassion Health likes to keep in their home um, mm-hmm. for the women who stay there who are battling cancer or receiving post-treatment um, here in Edmonton. Uh, Nicole Falcone Dempsey's our guest uh, on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Just a, a wonderful um, thing you got going here. So when you told all the girls, this is what we want to do, what was their reaction uh, about trying to help and get involved in the community? Great question. Um, first of all, they're very excited for the weekend because they get to play soccer all weekend. We have a few guest instructors that will be coming out. Um, but when we presented um, or challenged them to collect the items, you know, they really embrace this. I know a few, uh, lots of the girls have been out in the community gathering donations, um, knocking on doors, approaching businesses, and we're really excited to see what tomorrow morning will bring. Um, they will meet uh, at the park at about 8.15 a.m., bring their donations, and I know that there's uh, a little bit of competition between oh. the teams to see, you know, who's going to bring the most, and that that's what we want, right? We want friendly competition while supporting um, our community here in Edmonton. Oh, just a, a real cool um, thing that you're doing. So, And Gene Principe is not going to be refing any of these games, is he? Uh, well, you know, we always love when Gene shows up. Um, he's a huge, huge supporter of soccer, as you know, mm-hmm. um, here in Edmonton. And he's always been a great uh, supporter of Inter. And so we're hoping he'll show up Saturday or Sunday um, because we know how much he loves soccer. But he'll definitely not have a whistle in his hand. Well, and hopefully he's wearing a shirt after that marathon run, correct? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, yeah. <laughs> Always give uh, nice to give Gina cut uh, every once yeah, in a while. True. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Uh, Nicole Falcone Dempsey, Dempsey's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show. So um, how many girls are we talking about here? When, when you got under 11s, under 13s, you got the 15s, 17s. Uh, so kind of how many are in, in turn? How many young girls are playing soccer here? 
So in, on our competitive teams, we have around 70 to 80 girls. Um, so that would be U11 and up. And then below that, we have um, U9 girls that play with us and then mm-hmm. our grassroots program as well. Um, this indoor season, we will have the most girls post-COVID, which is awesome. Um, we are a small club. We have 18 teams, but we are mighty. And that's how, why we chose Compassion Health, because they are a small organization, mm-hmm. but they are very mighty. Um, they have supported thousands of women since they were founded in 1996. Um, they also, um, you know, there's women from rural Edmonton or rural communities in Alberta as far as 50, 60 kilometers away that do stay in the house. And so, you know, that that is another reason why we chose uh, Compassion Health, because like Inter, we are small, um, but we we have a lot of great, great things happening, especially over the last um, six to eight months as uh, we rebuild our girls program. So you did mention about that, Nicole, about COVID, how it hurt the program. Where was it before? How much did COVID hurt? And where are you now? So pre-COVID, um, we had teams going to provincials, nationals. We have many inter-alumni that play soccer across Canada and the United States. Um, we have technical directors with our club now that have played professional soccer in Canada and uh, beyond Europe. Um, we've just hired two um international technical directors who were with the prestigious Dynamo Kiev Academy who have come to Canada as refugees and we have embraced them into our club. Um, They are now our technical directors so they will be spending some time this weekend with our girls. Um, So post-COVID, huge, huge numbers. or sorry, pre-COVID, but mm-hmm. post-COVID, we are now building those numbers up again. Um, so like I said, we have uh, five competitive teams that will be in the camp this weekend. Um, and they are all very strong teams with strong coaches. We also have um, a couple of guest instructors. One of them is Francesco Saparito, who also played with Inter and runs his own um, soccer company here in Edmonton. And then we've got sports psychologist Samantha Gouveia, who played with the Griffins and she's going to be doing um, some psychology work with the girls about um, the barriers that they face, um, you know, um, going back into a sport post-COVID. Um, so that should be really wonderful as well as she's a local, um, you know, soccer player who went through uh, minor, ho- minor soccer here in Edmonton and played with the uh, mm-hmm. Griffins. Well, it's funny. I was just going to mention we had the coach of the Griffins on. Um, uh, okay, yeah. And, and you know, he was talking about the growth of women's soccer. And I would imagine there's many of these young girls that have these kind of aspirations. So how how would a camp like this maybe just help them to kind of uh, maybe just give them a little nudge to say, you know what, I, this is something I might want to maybe pursue a, a post-secondary education to go along with playing soccer? A hundred percent. That is one of the reasons why we're running this camp as well, is to show these girls that we are committed to them. If they went out into the community and, and registered like a camp for, like this would cost anywhere from three to six hundred dollars. And mm-hmm. we want to invest in our girls. We want to show them, um, you know, that there are so many possibilities with soccer across Alberta, across Canada and across the United States and beyond. And so bringing in our technical directors, our instructors, um, like someone like Samantha Gouveia, who is, you know, well known. Um, she was on the national championship Grant McEwen team. There are so many possibilities for our girls. And at the same time, they're helping women in the community, which is the premise of the camp. It's to mm-hmm. you know help the women who are battling cancer. And we want them to see that there's girls in the community and clubs like ours in the community that do support them. For sure. Uh, so Elsinore Park tomorrow? 
and Sunday? That's correct. So we'll be there from 8 to 4 tomorrow, 8 to 4 on Sunday. We're, we've already got some other businesses that are going to be do, uh, dropping off some donations for Compassion House. Mm-hmm. So if anyone out in the community is inclined and loves the game of soccer, we'd love for you to come out uh, and see the girls' camp and maybe drop off a donation and chat with uh, our board members. We would love to you know, welcome mm-hmm. anybody that wants to come have a look. Well, I mean, Sorrentino uh, Compassion House has just been such a wonderful uh, facility uh, for so many years. I actually, I, I texted uh, uh, Stella yesterday uh, to, yeah. to, to let her know that you were going to be on with us, and she was just yes. over the moon. Um, yeah, you know, and you know, it's nice because her boys played with yeah. her, and so it's just a nice connection, um, you know, uh, supporting uh a, uh, an organization that supported our club with, you know, and, and trusted us with her children. And um, um, so it, it is nice to have that connection um, between the two of us mm-hmm. as well. Well, so, uh, so glad that you kind of came up with this initiative and, and so glad that all the girls from as young as they are to as old as they are, are buying in. You have to be very proud of all the girls uh, moving forward with this. We are. We're extremely proud of our girls. We're extremely proud of our coaches for committing to these girls. They, you know, they're all volunteers. Um, and it's all for the love of soccer, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Nicole, thanks so much for uh, coming on today and letting everybody know. And I'm sure our listeners will um, help you out any way they can. Uh, really appreciate it. Good luck with uh, the camp tomorrow and Sunday. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. That's Nicole Falcone Dempsey. Uh, great initiative with Inter and Sorrentino's Compassion House, which leads us to uh, our Sports Central bike drive. And we've been going at this for a couple of weeks now. Uh, tomorrow is uh, the third day of the month that you can drop off bikes uh, at four locations, United Sport and Cycle, Revolution Cycle, Bonnie Dune Shopping Centre, Londonderry Mall. Um, the first week, I believe we had 151 bikes. Second week, I think we upped that up to, I think it was 170 or something like that. It's ballpark. So our our goal is to get 1,000 bikes. And most of the bikes are for kids that are uh, ages 6 to 12. They call them the 20-inch uh, to 24-inch wheel. So drop the bikes off. At those locations we just said, the technicians from Sports Central will get all the bikes tuned up, get them all, you know, brake pads, the whole bit, get them all uh, fired up for spring when we can give them to these kids. Sports Central does so much for our city too. This is what we're all about at 1440. We want to be a part of the community. We have been a part of the community so far. Uh, Nothing. We'll be doing tons of things moving forward. Uh, We talked about this last night at the launch, and that's exactly what we're all about here, uh, being immersed in the community. And I think that's why we're off to a good start for sure. Uh, Before we hit a sports update with the Duke, Michener Allen Auctioneering is the next public-timed automotive RV auction. It's now open for bidding. You can make your bids at info at maauctions.com. At the top of the hour, we will check in with former Alberta Pandas head coach on the hockey side of things, Howie Draper, now off to the Big Apple. First up, here's the Duke.